Hey there, fellow travelers on this journey we call life. My name is Brittany, your guide through this incredible story that we share on Do It Scared. Today, we are diving into an episode that is not just important, but it's actually a pivotal chapter in the story of a remarkable individual, Matt Jones. This episode we're about to explore is titled Villain in Training. Now, before we jump to conclusions, let me assure you, Matt is anything but a villain. But sometimes life deals us a hand of cards that's hard to imagine. The first 17 years of his life is filled with trials, tribulations, and challenges that most people don't encounter in an entire lifetime. In this episode, we're peeling back the layers of Matt's early life, his childhood, and sharing the experiences and circumstances that set the stage for his remarkable journey. It's a story of adversity, a story that might help you understand why Matt is the way he is today. Through Matt's candid, raw, unfiltered storytelling, we will explore the cards he's dealt and how those have influenced the path he walks on today. So sit back, open your heart, and prepare to be moved. This episode is a testament to the heart of the man who defied the odds to become the incredible person he is today. Welcome to Villain in Training. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. Finally, I get to introduce myself. This is Matt Jones, your host slash co-host of the Do It Scared podcast. I want to give you guys a trigger warning for this episode. This episode contains some heavy topics like substance abuse, violence, criminal activity, self-harm, and things of that nature. I hope is that this can affect just one person or inspire them to push through and do positive things in their life. With that being said, let's get started. All right, so villain in a training, what does that mean? You know, I'm really um I'm really kind of messed up that you call this episode that because I am not a villain, okay? Okay, not anymore. <laughs> At one point, you know, I I mean, maybe, I guess I could be called a villain, but I do not look at myself like that. But no. you're completely, you're completely right. So the, the reason why it's called this is because um, I had a, a long, hard road uh, to hell, so to speak. And, you know, it took me down um so many different paths that it's it's insane when i look back at it just going back through this episode has been exhausting for me to mm -hmm. be able to recap all of the memories and all of the experiences and everything that's happened i'll be honest with you i don't even i even feel like i left out 50 percent of it because it's unbelievable it's not believable so building and training to me says that it took some it took some things to happen in order for me to uh, go down the road that I did. And it wasn't my, um, you know, it wasn't my uh, design, you know, I, it just kind of happened. You know? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that listening to your story, I feel like you were, you know, given certain cards for your life and it just kind of laid out this way. And it's kind of a play on words in a way, because of course, I don't see you as a villain. People in your life don't see you as a villain. But people that don't know you, when they just hear the, you know, the facts of your your late adulthood, right? They 
could easily think you're a villain. So it's really in a way we're playing on words of what people might label you. Exactly. But we're trying to have them understand why you became the way that you were. Exactly. Right? So, and it really starts with your childhood at the end of the day. I agree. You know, I was just having this conversation today on the way home from work. And one of the guys were saying that it's important to get this stuff out there because people mm -hmm. need to know where you have been to see, to understand why you are where you are and yeah. be able to inspire someone or, you know, to get your story out there just so that you can help someone, just anyone not to do that. It's important because people are out there making the same mistakes and going through the same hardships, the same uh, abuse and toxic situations in their childhoods or situations right now that, you know, they need to have hope. They need to know that the, there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel that they can make choices uh, and that they can be or, or succeed or, or choose to, to be in this situation. So, you know, it was really hard for me to to put this together and to go through these stories, but I, I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, and put it down for you. So um, it starts with childhood, right? Yeah. And you and you're a, a unicorn, as we call you here in Nashville, because you were born and raised in this area, unlike me and, you know, so many people that, you know, but you are a unicorn because you were born and raised here. Right. So everybody I know is from California or Florida. Hey. Or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Represent. Right. So. um, So, OK, I'm going to jump right in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So I was born and raised in Nashville, born in uh, Nashville Memorial Hospital, and I have two younger brothers. Um, my mom is uh, from Minnesota. They, she was, uh, her family moved down here uh, several years before she did, and she moved down here as uh, like 18 years old or something like that, and and was a waitress at one of the local uh, restaurants in in Hermitage. And my dad, on the other hand, his family was. Uh, a, a farm family. We share, they sharecropped uh, like the Hermitage property and several hundred acres across and, and, you know, in the, in that vicinity of the Hermitage and um, back in the day, which this area is completely, you know, retail, uh, you know, grown up, you, you would, you would not believe me if I told you this, but where Lebanon Road and Old Hickory Boulevard cross, it used to be just a one-lane uh, tar chip road right there, right? <laughs> and I mean, and I, I mean, I think that even at one point that my dad actually asked my mom, she tells a story all the time, right? So uh, he had uh, rode a horse bareback up to her restaurant, which is right in front of Hermitage Lanes right now. There used to be this little pizza place called like uh, the A-Frame or something like that. And um, and that's how he asked her out on a date. It's on the back of a horse. So apparently it worked. And here I am. So um, moving on, uh, I spent the first five years of my life living with my aunt. She raised me. Um, I think there may have been uh, some type of uh, postpartum issues or something like that there uh, with my mom. And she took care of me. She was sweet. She was kind. Um, they lived in the Mount Juliet Gladeville area. And about that time, I um, came back home. I um, lived with my aunt till to the point where I'd called her mom and I came back home to mom and dad in this situation to where we lived in um, a really urban, you know, very um, 
poor lower class neighborhood. It was it was the hood for real, and uh, it was my mom made it imperative that my dad send us to this um, private school. Mm. So you know whatever you know was going on there for us to you know, have the resources to do that. All I know is our rent was like $75 a month. And we lived in this place that had holes in the floor and was up on, you know, there were literal stones holding this place up together and like shingles falling off the side of this thing. But we were going to a private school. So I can remember going to this private school and being the only kid walking around in, you know, dollar dollar store uh, Velcro sneakers and everyone else, you know, wearing you know, nice slacks and iron, iron shirts. So there's this, you know, contrast that I'm weighing out there from, from this situation through this whole time, it, at least when I look back anyways. So we stay in this, in this Christian school at the same time, we're living in this, um, uh, a poor neighborhood. We're the only white people that lived in there. Uh, the family on my dad's side are farming the surrounding uh, two or 300 acres on the Hermitage property. Um, and it was a big farm family. It was nice. We had, you know, um, uh, chicken dinners on Sundays and, you know, all the people in the neighborhood would come and help. And, you know, it was beautiful. And then there's this other side, like, you know, weeknights during the week or coming home from, um, from school, uh, my uncle Kelly would drive me to school. He was a, a junior and a senior when I was uh, kindergarten, first grade at the same school. And um, uh, we would come home and, you know, every once in a while there'd be this, you know, uh, knock down, drag out, or there'd be helicopters buzzing the house, or there would be some strange person parked in the yard and, you know, some type of, uh, you know, situation where we're locked in the bedroom, or it would be yelling and screaming and, you know, breaking things and knock down, drag out violence and, you know, us going to stay with grandparents or aunt for a couple of weeks. So um, at some point, you know, from a, a Every weekend, it's a trip to Granny's or a trip to church or hanging out with my aunt. Um, and during these times, it's always like, you know, it's beautiful when I'm with my aunt or my grandma or I'm at school, but home is crazy. So I'm having these conversations like, um, I, I can remember like, you know, do you, do you remember like the sitcoms from the eighties? Like, uh, that was like this time it was growing pains, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Growing pains, Mike Seaver. So that's, that's the way I wanted my family to be is I, I wanted that. I can remember being, you know, nine years old and having a conversation with my aunt about, you know what, when I grow up, I want my family to be like growing pain. So that's you know, that's what I thought about. That's what I dreamed about when I was a kid. You know, we, um, you know, went on in that situation. And when I was around 10, 11, something like that, my dad buys a farm in Trousdale County. We move up there and it's us getting away from the city. We changed from a private school to public school. Um, and there's this immediate uh, role reversal with everyone. Like uh, within just a few short weeks, we go from private to public school. My mom kind of slacks off on going to church. My dad gets saved from being a violent, drunk, um, 
you know, into the various nefarious activities to being a full-fledged, you know, respected businessman in the community and 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 not drinking anymore. I mean, he hasn't had a drink to this day. Wow, that's that's so, really, it's an accomplishment itself, though. You know, yeah, it's a big deal. Wow. I mean, like I'm 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 blown away by it myself just thinking about it. You know, it's an inspiration. So. Um, my mom, you know, starts going down this path that I haven't seen her going down. She's, uh, gets a job at some gas station in town. Um, uh, there's, you know, they're, they're smoking weed, they're drinking, there are these people, uh, uh, around the house all the time. And there's this, uh, guilty by association thing, uh, beginning to happen. You know, at this time, I'm just starting junior high. I'm playing football. You know, I'm just starting to make new friends. It's it's tough there because when we make this change from private to public school, like in in the private school, like nobody even cussed there. Like the kids, like it's true. I mean, they didn't. They they didn't. Like if somebody said like a bad word, they they told on you. When we get up there, it's like, uh, hey, you know, you walk into the bathroom, there are people smoking. You know what I mean? Like, for real. It's a different world. It was a different world. So, um, so immediately there's this, um, uh, there's something going on, whether there's a betrayal, there is a, um, uh, some type of, of, of activity going on there. And my parents divorce right at, at that time and dad you know moves to lebanon begins to build a, a big horse stable out in the park and my mom's her own thing and we immediately start back and forth in it moms and dads so dad's kind of there but we're living with mom dad doesn't really have a place so um junior high we're back and forth you know from 11 in the hearts well, half the year here half the year there half the year here half the year there so from the time we moved from the private school, I had changed schools probably four times before I got out of high school. Yeah. I mean, ninth grade is where I think to me was like the pivotal year of of you going down a certain path. Like to me, anytime I hear your story, like high school is it. Like that put you down a path where there was n no turning back for this foreseeable future for years and years and years. So let's go into ninth grade. So yeah, no doubt about it. Um I was, I mean, no doubt about it. That's the the year I earned my stripes for sure, um, as a villain, you might yes. say. So I had a, you know, I I made choices there that, um, you know, I, I always have this huge conscience, you know, it's as big as this house, and everyone else, I feel like, you know, they're just uh, okay with with whatever they're doing. But for me, I'm I'm left with this huge, you know, amount of guilt, you know, and so. Um, I can remember, you know, uh, being 14 years old, I had never been caught. I mean, we're, we're getting, uh, you know, stripes for, uh, cussing, right. We're getting, uh, grounded and beat for just saying bad words. And at this point I had, my dad was gone. So, you know, I figured it's a great idea to sneak out and go to this party down the street with a, a, a little friend of mine that had talked me into it. We sneak out. Anyways, I come back in at like 3.30 in the morning, crawl onto this window. It's like, the uh, you know, the, I'm in the basement room, so the window's way up high, you know, and I'm trying to crawl in and I'm halfway in this thing and the light clicks on and I look around, it's my dad. And he was like, 
this he's like a six foot four monster you know i was scared to death of him and you know i knew it was over like a huge yellow streak just went up my back and um so to, to round to to round the story up i had yeah basically got caught for everything in one night um you know busted for smoking weed and uh, you know, taking pills and being drunk. I even lost my virginity that night. They knew about that somehow. So it was extremely embarrassing. I had all these hickeys on my neck. And, um, you know, a couple hours later after, you know, uh, the worst beating of my life, um, my mom gets me up and say, you're going to school today. All right, you ready? You know, and I'm can barely hold my eyes open or even walk. And the first period is, uh, uh, ag class. So I've got my shop teacher in there. Everybody in the whole class is quiet because they're like, wow, what's going on with this guy? Like I look like I've been beat up, raped, and some more stuff, uh, which pretty much probably had. But um, he kept me in, in the shop class for the rest of the day. Like, Jones, you smell like alcohol right now. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's because this happened last night. And so he kept me back there and probably saved me from who knows what. Or I don't know. It may have been a, a pivotal moment for me. So anyways, um, you know, a, a few weeks went by and this, the, the smoke cleared from that. And, um, you know, it was constantly this thing where, you know, my mom would there be drinking and, and drug use and then my mom, you know, and she'd be with it and then she'd call my dad and say we're drinking and using drugs after, you know, basically introducing us to it. And a couple of days go by and I can remember, like, we went on a horseback ride. It was just us two. Rode up the road, saddled the horses. We were in the neighborhood there where we were the the house that they had bought. And my mom was like, "So, do you do you know how to roll a joint?" And I was like, "Uh, no." So, you know, naturally that's going to be my answer. I'm pretty sure she knew what my answer was. So she was like, "Okay." She got it out. She folded the paper, showed me how to do it, and and we smoked a joint like with the horses right there. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, right? You know, back then, I was like, okay, I'm in there, right? Smoking weed is the greatest. And so we get back to the house and, you know, she explains how to, you know, de-seed it and, you know, uh, break this whole bag of weed down. And um, and and that was that. It was cool. I, I'm on, From then on, it was, you know, mom's house is party time, you know, Um so eventually the football dropped out of the picture, you know, the sports, the good crowd dropped out of the equation. And um, even at school, you know, people who were coming up to me that I didn't even know, like, hey, you're, you know, your mom hangs out with my dad. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, into this crowd, you know, it got to have this reputation by default. Um, yeah, I mean... It's just crazy to think like in ninth grade, I don't even know what I was doing. Like, it's, it's, that's just a lot for that age to even handle. And then even in 10th grade, like your 10th grade year is probably one of the most remarkable years, in my opinion, of just this thread of people in your life. And so let's let's go into 10th grade, that sophomore year of high school now. So this, this thread, it's crazy to me because, you know... I mean, before I even go into it, Mr. Oliver, like he's been there my entire life. He wrote me a letter 
probably once a month while I was in prison, held me down, bought me art supplies, inspired me, was the most kindest, uh, supporting, uplifting person that I've ever known in my entire life. So with that being said, I um, vandalized a, a daycare when I was, you know, still, I think this was around 14, 15 years old or latter 14, you know, that same year. I know it was like right at the beginning of my sophomore year because I did my whole sophomore year somewhere else because of this situation. And um, it was a, an accident. You know, we had snuck out, me and a friend, to go see some girls in town. I was spending the night with him. And on the way back, we jiggled this doorknob and it happened to open. And we went in there to the place. There was nothing there for, you know, well, what would be, you know what I mean? We thought we were breaking into Fort Knox or something. So on the way out, I grabbed a fire extinguisher and sprayed it at him. And then he went and grabbed a fire extinguisher and sprayed at me. So we had this big war in there. And then the next day, on the way to school at 9 a.m., walking, uh, a cop stops by us. We're both got yellow fire extinguisher dust all over our tennis shoes. And he asks us if we see anybody selling the vacuum cleaners. You're like, no, no, no. I think he was just looking at our shoes. But anyways, a couple of weeks later, we got caught. And on the way home from this place, we had vandalized a couple of buildings. We stole some spray paint and, you know, just went on this completely irresponsible tear. And um, one of the buildings that we vandalized was Mr. Oliver's um, building. I think he leased it out to like an attorney or something like that. And it's kind of funny because, you know, right the year before I got out of prison, he uh, sent me a, a thing where they were having some type of uh, a contest to see, you know, a, a mural that could be uh, put up in Hartsville. And, and I had drew a mural to, to go up for the town beautification uh, um uh, historical committee thing or whatever. And I sent it in and, you know, and it won. And he was like, oh, isn't this crazy? <laughs> He's like, isn't this crazy? Like 25 years ago, you were going to jail for vandalizing the buildings in town. And now they're paying you thousands of dollars to do it. The foreshadowing is crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? So it was, it was crazy. And he's been, you know, so awesome. And he's still here every day. Like... Um, been a huge advocate for my, uh, for my positive, uh, advancement here. So, um, it, anyways, my dad had made a deal with the courts that, Hey, I'll take him out of the town. He's going to come live with me. You don't have to worry about him anymore. Of course, I had like some type of suspended probation or something like that. So that was it. Bing, bang, boom. I had to go live with my dad in Mount Juliet. Uh, the John Cain farm, which was like this place that had this own personal lake. It was just us there. Now it's Del Webb. It's beautiful. It was just us on the Del Webb lake back then. Um, so during that time, it was party at, you know, every time I got to go to mom's, it was, where's the cigarettes? Where's the weed? Where's the beers? Where's everything else? You know, and then back to my dad's where it was, you know, lockdown. Um, junior year, I basically emancipated myself. Um, I went back to live with my mom full time, which meant, you know, whatever I wanted. So I moved in with this older guy who was like 26 years old. He was a jack of all trades. He, um, 
you know, he wasn't scared of anything. He would take any project on, no matter what it was. I don't even know how he figured out how to do this stuff. Because we didn't even have internet back then. But we did things from the Courtyard Cafe to rooftop bars on 2nd Avenue to, um, you know, project after project after project. I mean, I missed like... Um, probably 50 days of my junior year, not to mention, you know, the time I missed my senior year, but, um, I had all these, you know, I was uh, contrasted by my peers, you know, because I'm in this bad crowd. Right. And I feel like the, you know, I'm the only person with an IQ above, you know, X, Y, Z in a, I don't mean to insult anyone or anything like that, but, you know, feel like a, a, a god among insects, so to speak. I have this situation going on where, you know, I have all these good things going for me. I have morals. I'm, I'm questioning every move that I'm making, but then at the same time, I'm experimenting with cocaine for the first time in my life at 15, 16 years old. I'm, you know, starting to experiment with psychedelics. I'm... Um, getting into small petty crimes and uh, violence and things like that. Um, every every situation wasn't. I felt like it was an opportunity for me to to just try some try the next thing. It was a it was a, almost a, a goal for me to the the friends that I were around. That's what they were about. So that's what I was about. That's what I wanted to do. At the same time, you know, I'm trying to. You know, I, I I don't want this. I want to do something. You know, I want to, hey, you know, make something more of my life. You know, um, my dad gained custody of us about halfway through this period of time. I mean, you know that's coming because he's not going to have that. So we, he had acquired a property in Waverly, Tennessee, which is about an, another hour on the other side of Nashville as, you know, Charles Del County is. So we're like an hour and a half, two hours away at this time. And uh, I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. I had two other brothers, one the same age as me, one the same age as my middle brother, Clint. My younger brother, Daniel, stayed home at mom's, but he wasn't really with mom. He was, he kind of had a family up the street, kind of take him in a little bit. And, you know, uh, it just he they just took him in. He was part of their family. His, um, and my brothers seemed to steer clear of most of the trouble for some way. I, I must have paved the way for them or something like that. They um, seem to have their stuff together. Both of them, they're very successful, have, you know, nice, beautiful families. I'm sure they have their fair share of problems. But, you know, for me, it just seemed like I have this, uh, you know, this dead chicken tied around my neck my whole life or something like that. Um, so at my dad's... Um, you know, the stepmom situation was like it was worse, worse than worse than the real mom situation. It was, um, well, one for the one thing that drove me back home was like at one point I had this crazy girlfriend that drank too much, and we ended up at a hospital because she was puking, and we they had to call the cops because I was a minor. And when they did, she answered the phone and she says, well, I'm scared of him. I don't want him at the house anymore. So my 
So the cops brought me to jail and I stayed in jail for like seven days until my dad came to get me. And my dad ended up coming to get me because they were fixing to sign me over to state's custody, which I never thought anybody would do to me. You know what I mean? And he was like, okay, you're going to walk this line and walk this line. And as soon as I got home, I called my mom and I said, come and get me. And it was the older guy, Mike, that came and got me. And I, he came and got me and I lived with him and you know, that's, I, that's where I did half of my senior year is with him, you know, doing those projects and living with him. You know, there was a, a huge little small town scandal that happened uh, there with, you know, a guy who was murdered uh, by a, a local townsperson. And the guy was sitting in the room with us that morning. You know, he had his bottle of wine that he carried around with him everywhere. He was giving me a Dodge Daytona. 25th anniversary for my 16th birthday and we had left to go get uh, some money for my driver's license and passed through town and on the way back the entire town was gathered around the square and this guy was playing at his shop which was next door to Mike's apartment you know murdered in a pile of blood you know that's a, an episode in itself but you know leave that alone so my senior year I missed 68 days of school and it's a miracle that I graduated. Wow. <laughs> so that's the uh, that's the condensed version. And I'm telling you, there's uh, about 50% of it left out because it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I had this insane friend group where we, you know, did nothing but take psychedelics and drink whiskey and go spelunking and rappelling and uh, cliff diving and... You know, among some of the craziest things I've ever done in my life, and I haven't even really included that. It's an entire podcast in itself. So the year I graduate, the month, the month that I graduate high school, I we had went to a few of these crazy like biker gangs. They're called road or, or biker parties. They're called roadkill parties, right? They just set up in the middle of nowhere and camp. And there's all these bikers. They have like a wedding, blah, 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 blah. So we almost end up getting murdered from this thing and run for our lives on the way home, you know, with this guy who is one of the friends, you know, in this friend group, I've got like several of my friends that, you know, my mom has already dated at this point. And one of them, you know, has already like just assaulted her the two weeks prior. Uh, we come home and uh, uh, this guy has assaulted my mom. My brother ends up shooting him nine times. Uh, I got my first DUI um, the same month. Uh, a guy tried to decapitate me with a pocket knife, same month. And about a month after that, my brother gets his leg shot off and one of our close friends in the friend group um commit suicide with a shotgun all in the same month so. wow i mean though that whole month is going to be a podcast episode itself someday because i've heard this story so many times and every single time my jaw is literally on the ground where it's like i don't believe you you're lying to me <laughs> every, every single time the story itself like it's insane like it, there are like at least five to 10 insane stories in this little rundown that I just gave you. And I'm trying to just give an overview here right. of this, you know, timeline because 
you know, it, it took some doing to get me here and it's took a lot of doing to get me to where I am now. Absolutely. It's to this, you know, place of service, this place of gratitude, you know, hard work. And, you know, it's, it's taken a lot. You don't get there from, from just, you know, from nothing. Right. Absolutely. And I think just that month after you graduated is another story that's about really, really catapulting you into like adulthood. Honestly, like that, that's just the craziest story of all. But with that being said, I mean, this is the, you know, from ever since you can remember to your senior year of high school, our next episode is going to be about, you know, really going into adulthood. And that is a story again, that's just really, really crazy. So I look forward to recording that and putting that out, out as well. But other than that, I mean, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. And yeah. Thank you guys. I hope this um, leads to someone making some positive choices in their life for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. See ya. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at do it scared at D-U-E it scared, as well as visit our website to stay up to date with anything that's up and coming. Thanks again.